Right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. My wife Sherry is joining us, and we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. And we'll be in Chapter 18 again tonight, The Growth Process, and we'll talk more about that in just a second. Just so you know, all of our Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our, <coughs> as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And... Uh, and, and also, too, if uh, we also want to say thank you to all those who uh, supported us with their financial offerings and their donations to our church. And if you're wanting to know how to do that, simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and go to our give page. And then you can give from anywhere in the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the foot of every page on our website is our mailing address. And if you're here in the United States, just so you know all your... Um, all of your uh, uh, donations will be tax deductible uh, as we are a 501c3 company, uh, organization. So, anyway, uh, with all those announcements aside, let's go ahead and jump into our Bible study tonight. We're talking about effortless change, more specifically. <coughs> excuse me. We've been talking about the parable of the sower. And this, the parable of the sower is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Jesus said regarding this parable that if you can't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. Because this is a parable of all parables. Okay, we good? So, uh, with that said, um, excuse me, we're having some challenges here. Once we get those out, we'll be, we'll be better. But, um, so this is a parable of all parables. So we've been talking about the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is God's word being sown on four different kinds of soil. And we've been looking at the three that didn't bear fruit, or there was challenges to that fruit, but now we're looking at the good soil, okay, and we've been looking at that the last, last few weeks. In, in that context, uh, the title of this chapter is talking about the growth process, and we are in the next to the last chapter, and we're going to continue that uh, th this evening, and then, uh, so we are going to be picking it up, uh, forget the subtitle, is Act in Faith, it's the title of this section, and that's where we're going to be picking up our study tonight. Anything you want to share tonight? Too close there? Okay, so we'll, uh, Sherry's going to read for us and we'll talk about it from there. If you plant seed in the ground and then go out and dig it up every day to see if anything is happening, you'll kill that seed. That seed has to be left in the ground for a period of time. There has to be faith. Farmers may not use this terminology, but it's true. The person who plants the seed has to believe that the seed is germinating putting roots down and producing. You just have to leave that seed there by faith and over a period of time, it produces. It's the same with the word of God. You can't just take a promise, plant it, and expect to reap a harvest right away. You can't just hear 1 Peter 2, 24 for the first time, then confess, by his stripes I am healed, I claim it in the name of Jesus, and then if you aren't healed in the next 10 minutes, go dig that seed up by saying, well, nothing's happening. And then the next day, you go back and do it again. That's not abiding in the Word and letting the Word abide in you. John 15, 5. You must come to a place where the Word is just a part of you. It's not something you study for a little bit and then go out and live your whole day contrary to it. I'm not against specific devotion and prayer times, but you need to keep focused on the Lord and His Word all day long. It does you no good to spend 20, 10 or 20 minutes in devotion mode, being sweet and kind and listening to God, but then once it's over, you go back to being a piranha the rest of the day, being just as mean, angry, and vicious in your relationships and business dealings as anyone else in the world. You may have planted the word in your devotion time, but you dug that word up. It's not working on the inside of you not staying in your heart and because of that you aren't going to see it produce it takes more than that you can't just consider God's Word during your devotion time and expect that all of a sudden change the way you and expect that to all of a sudden change the way you act that day you have to take those truths about loving people John 13 34 and 35 turning the other cheek Matthew 5 39 and thinking more highly of others than you think of yourself, Philippians 2, 3, and leave that seed in your heart over time. 
Then, whenever somebody rubs you the wrong way, you need to act in faith and let that word continue to affect you. You must abide in the word and allow the word to abide in you for it to release its power and impact your life. Yet many people are trying church, trying prayer lines, and trying everything else except taking God's word and meditating on it. And they're wondering why they aren't getting the right results they desire. This truth is so simple to understand, you have to have somebody help you misunderstand it. You take the word of God, put it in your heart, leave it there, meditate on it, and it just produces. So this is a very powerful stuff if you're understanding what we're trying to convey here and this uh, Andrew and his writing and his book and what we're trying to communicate in this study. You know, the, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a seed. And uh, he actually started this chapter when we started last week from Mark chapter 4 about how the kingdom of God is like a seed. And this parable, the parable of the sower, Jesus says it's a parable of all parables. If you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And just like a seed, you know, so if, we, if we're trying to understand what the kingdom of God is like, in other, word, in other words, if we're trying to understand what, what Christianity is like, this relationship that we have with God is like a seed, okay? So how does a seed perform? You know, and we don't, and the title of this book is Effortless Change. See, when you plant a seed as a farmer or a gardener, you, you know, you have a part to play in cultivating the soil, and you have a part to play to water the seed and make sure it gets the right sunlight and some seeds won't grow in certain environments, and, and they'll do better and flourish in other environments. Uh, some, you know, every seed will, will have has kind of its own rules of, of what is enough water, what's too much water, what's enough sunshine, what's too much sunshine. <coughs> but then once you put it in the ground and you get it in the right environment, it does its own thing effortlessly. You know, you don't see a tree striving to bear leaves or, or, or bear fruit, okay? it's it's all, God already commanded the seed to produce like it's supposed to. And the parable of the sower is the, is the same seed on different kinds of soil. What made the difference was the soil. But at the same point in time, uh, before we go, go there, you know, it just, one thing Andrew's saying in this section is you don't, you know, when you plant a seed, and we planted some gardens in our in our twenty one years of marriage, and in, in that process, you know, at the beginning we didn't see anything. <coughs> Excuse me. And if we would have dug it up to see if anything's going on, we would have aborted that seed. We would have destroyed the process. But we had to wait for it to germinate. We had to wait for it to gestate, and we had to wait for it to grow and mature so it could actually have leaves and. And, and uh, uh, yeah, my true fruit. Okay? And so, so if we can consider that analogy of a seed, we can do that the same thing in our lives. We need to get God's word in our heart. And there's promises of God's word. There's different things God has said. And some of us want an instant miracle. Well, you can't plant a seed and get an instant tree or an instant plant or an instant vegetables and fruit or tomatoes or whatever it might be. It, there's seed, time, and harvest. And it's not just planting season. It's not just harvest season. Where we have this whole season called time that most of us, it drives us crazy. When a mother is with child, there's a nine-month pregnancy. We celebrate when we hear that uh, the mother's pregnant. And we celebrate when the child is born. But those nine months can be um, you know, challenging at times. <coughs> it can be a beautiful process, but sometimes it can be, excuse me, challenging. Sorry, I'm just talking too fast, and I think I preached too good this morning, so I'm having a hard time tonight. It's windy, too. It's also the wind. The wind also aggravates this as well. You know, when, when Dave was sharing about how we've gardened in the past, you know, with the different seeds, there's different planting depths and uh, length of time before you even see the, the, the vegetable sprout. Some of them um, can be pretty fast and some of them are weeks before you see just a little bit of green poking up out of the ground and um, 
then and others just take a long time um, I remember uh, we, we had a, a vegetable garden in Ontario and um, the the zucchini came up pretty fast and I, I think it was still a couple weeks it's been a while but um, it was really neat because it would it just came up with like one leaf or two and then all of a sudden it's just spreading into this beautiful plant and then all of a sudden you're seeing the the, the blossoms come and then the, the, the fruit the vegetable the zucchini start growing and then it gets bigger and bigger until it's big enough for you to plant and pick but you know with, with God's Word I mean you just need to get it planted in your heart and like Andrew and Dave were saying you can't just dig it up to see if it's if it's growing it's it's uh, it doesn't work that way uh, you, pl you plant it and then you water it and you know let the sun beat down on it and uh, you know, you make sure the weeds are out of your, your garden. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to a series by Dwayne Sheriff called Gardening Your Heart. And it's actually a really good compliment to this Effortless Change book of, of Andrew Lomax. Um, both both uh, are really good at explaining, you know, how, how we get God's word planted in our hearts and how we... Um, how we have and get our heart ready to receive, to, to take God's word and meditate on it and believe it. That's where you see people's testimonies, like the healing journeys that we've shared in the past. These people have planted God's word in their heart and they expect that word and they believe that word to produce and they don't let anything else, they don't let any weed, any care of this world, any doctor's report get in the way of believing God's word. You know, there's anything I wanted to say uh, from a minute ago. This last paragraph that we read, Andrew says, yet many people are trying, trying, uh, I think I'm right to yeah. Yet many people are trying church, trying prayer lines, and trying everything else except God's Word, and meditating on it. And they're wondering why they aren't getting the right results they desire. The truth is so simple to understand, you have to have someone help you misunderstand it. You take the Word of God, put it in your heart, leave it there, meditate on it, and it just produces. The Word of God will produce every single time, but you've got to get it in your heart, and you got to meditate on it, okay? That's not, we're not doing this religiously, but then again, in one sense, we are in the sense that we are going to just do this. And we, our life depends on that. I don't hope I'm making sense by using that term religious, because I, I don't like that word. Uh, I don't agree with that word. But at the same point in time, we are going to do it faithfully. We are going to be steadfast and consistent with the, God's word. <coughs> just like a seed takes time to produce. Yes, there's some seeds that can produce right away. But there's some seeds like a bamboo plant. It just takes a while. Okay? And so, God, all the promises of God are yes and they are amen to the glory of God by us. We we just got to trust God's word. and we got, But we got to get in our hearts. Some of us, you know, we're okay with the little inspirational message. We want, we, you know, just... Um, I'm trying to say this in a way that's not uh, getting on people's cases, but you know, some of us just want—we are in such a fast food society, a microwave generation—that we want something, everything instantaneous, and some things just take consistency. Some things just take a steadfast. You know, the early church, the when the church began, they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking the bread, and the prayer. Steadfast. They met daily. And so there was a steadfastness. And we need to be steadfast in having a relationship with God and His Word. But we need to get it in our heart and we need to keep it there. We need to we can't dig it up every 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 week, every month. How come it's not producing? You need to let there's a patience that goes with farming. You know, farmers, we have a lot of farms here in Camarillo and uh 
You know, the farmers, when they plant their seed, they don't dig it up every week to see if it's growing. They have to leave it there till harvest time. Okay? And so, it just, uh, that's just how it works. And so, we need to just take God's word and, and, and get it in our hearts and meditate on it. And allow God's word to change our lives effortlessly. That's the title of this book. That's where we're going with this. So. You know, it reminds me of earlier in the book when Andrew was sharing a story about a sixth grade teacher with two geraniums uh, and how they planted tomato seeds in both, but one only had, I think, one inch, yes, one inch of soil, and the other one had eight inches of soil. And the, the tomato seeds in the one inch, they sprouted really fast. But the, the problem was they didn't have enough dirt to have a root system. So when, even though they grew beautiful and fast, they uh, basically just keeled over because they didn't have a root system to, to keep it going. But yet the, the terrarium that had the, the eight inches had enough soil so the roots went deep to be able to help sustain that plant. And that plant bore fruit, it bore the tomatoes and you know that's that's kind of this whole thought process of you know when Andrew was saying some people try church or they try prayer lines they're looking for a quick fix and they might in the moment feel good and, and you know be encouraged but because of not having root system and meditating on that word given word given them uh, the basically in a sense to use a, this phrase that their crop failed because they didn't have the right uh, system in place system is the wrong word but they God's word gosh I want to be able to make this clear and not throw people off God's word works but it's not a quick fix Fix. It is a vital part of life. Yes, yes. Um, so seeds are not a quick fix. They are they're the process. Seed, time, and harvest. And so um, let's get to the next section. Full blown manifestation. Verse twenty eight goes on to say, "For the earth bringing forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear." It takes time for the Word of God to work, and when it starts working, you don't get the full-blown manifestation at first. There's first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. In other words, there's growth. Just like when you plant a seed in the ground, it doesn't just stay there for a week or a month, and then boom, instantly you get a full-grown tree. No, there's a growth period. First you see a tiny shoot sticking up out of the ground. That it begins to grow and develop. We recognize that this is the way it works in the physical realm, but many people haven't realized that it's also how it works in the spiritual realm. People come up to me all the time who have spent virtually no time getting established in the Word of God. They hear me talking about how the Word works, how I've seen God set me free, seen people healed and raised from the dead, and other great testimonies. They ask, what scriptures promise that? I give them a seed and they plant it, but if they don't have the same results I've described by this time tomorrow, then they say, I don't believe that works. The word doesn't work. I did exactly the same thing you did and it didn't work for me. You need to recognize that I've been walking with the Lord now for over 40 years. It's been 42 years since I had this encounter with the Lord and God called me and things really began to work. I've spent time over the years meditating and seeking the Lord, but I didn't start off seeing some of the results that I am seeing today. Okay, so again, uh, so we're, we're picking back in on uh, the, the beginning uh, passage of scripture that uh, Andrew uh, started out this chapter with from Mark chapter 4. And uh, let me just read this again. Uh, so, so, it, it, um, so the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, 
and the seed should spring and grow up, but he knows not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the air. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put his hand in the sickle, because the harvest is come. <coughs> and he's specifically uh, uh, picking, picking up on verse 28 where it says, For the, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of, her, of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after, after the full corn in the ear. And so, you know, and Andrew saying some things just take some time. And, you know, he, I, one thing I like about Andrew here in this passage, he says, you know, some people come up to him and after one night or one week, you know, they're like, it's not working for me. The word that you're preaching is not working for me. And yeah, Andrew's been walking, I mean, at the time he wrote the book, he, he'd been walking with the Lord for 40 years. You know, and I mean, so many words, I've had people come with me and ask me the same thing. And I've been walking with God for a long time, all my life, for that matter, but I've had some hiccups along the way, but at the same point in time, I've been walking with God, I've been in God's Word a lot. That doesn't make you more special than you, that doesn't make Andrew more special than us. But at the same point in time, we've been meditating on some of these things that we're teaching for a long time. And so we might see a little more quicker results sometimes just because the seed is already in the ground. But some of you, the seed's not even planted yet. And so, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time to for that seed to germinate and ge to gestate and to, to grow and produce, you know. But there's a starting <coughs> there's a starting point. And so, you, you're going to have to be patient with the Word of God. You're going to let, how let the Word of God do its thing, just like you would have seen in the ground. And so, you know, some of these farmers, they've been doing it for a while. If I, if I, you know, we've, we've uh, dreamed before, like, if you were given this farm, would, could you, could, would, you, would you take it? If I was given one of these big farms, or even one of the small ones for that matter, in our area, you know, I probably would take it, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so... I don't even know where to start. I mean, I got the concept of farming down, the basics, but I don't know the specifics. I don't know how to manifest farming. And so I'm going to have to hire people to train me, <coughs> excuse me, to basically do the work. But, uh, you know, some of these farmers, they're just going to, they know what to do, but I don't, you know. And so I would, I mean, I don't even know me taking one of these farms would be a good idea to one degree because I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, But if I have someone on my team and someone who's on my staff, on my payroll, who knows what they're doing, then perhaps hopefully we can produce a good crop, crop that first time. And it won't be, if we do produce a successful crop the first time, it won't be because of me. It's because I have someone on my staff who's been doing this for a while. And and, and so there's that, just that maturity, that wisdom of knowing what to do. So, you know, in, in a sense, it's a, a picture of of the fivefold ministry. You know, Dave and Andrew are talking about how, you know, you, you have the person like Andrew's story, how he's been walking with the Lord for over 40 years in ministry, and he has been thoroughly immersed in God's Word. For years and years and years and years, and oh, I'm going past. Um, and yet, when he he prays or when he ministers, he sees results. And someone who might be new to the faith gets discouraged because they tried to believe like Andrew, but they didn't have the word in their heart, and so they get discouraged and they think, oh, the word doesn't work. Well, it's in a sense, it's it's like the the fivefold ministry. Am I? Um, I think I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay, I was in the wrong chapter. So Ephesians four, it says, "And he himself, uh, verse eleven, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry." For the edifying of the body of Christ, and what I'm bringing up, and this is just how my mind is is going on this tangent. 
you you have those who equip the saints, those like Andrew or Dave or my dad or or we have um, uh, uh, Pastor Rick Dana, who we think highly of. Um, there's other pastors and ministers. They have been in the ministry for years. They've been in God's word. They've studied God's word. They've lived God's word and breathed God's word, and they've taken it to heart. And they take what they've learned to be able to teach it to to their congregations or, or whoever's listening to be able to equip them so that they can take God's word and hold it in their hearts so, so that they can uh, do the work of the ministry. It's it's a sharing process, but but those who have been in God's word for years, they're they're the ones. And it, and you don't have to be in the fivefold ministry to have God's word in your heart. Um, both my grandmothers uh, were very strong believers, and when we went through their things after they passed away, they there was notes all over the house of verses that they were uh, studying on or believing on. And they were both uh, women who believed in the Lord, trusted the Lord, prayed for all of us. And they weren't necessarily in the fivefold ministry, but they had that foundation of God's word in them that bore fruit. Mm, yeah, yeah. Hopefully this is making sense for you guys, but uh, you know, God's, one thing we're just trying to convey over and over again, the word of God works. And we're trying to explain how it works. Or at least we're taking one aspect of how it works. And it just, it's like a seed. And the kingdom of, this is how the kingdom of God works. And when we understand how to cooperate with a seed, we're gonna see a harvest. We're gonna see results. Because Christianity is supposed to work. And some people are frustrated that it's not working. Well, that's why Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand any parables. We need to understand that how the kingdom of God works. Let's read this, uh, last, I think it's the last section here in chapter 18. No shortcuts. Today, Andrew Womack Ministries needs about $2 million a month just to pay our bills and keep things going. I didn't start at that level. I remember the very first time that Jamie and I ever prayed together and agreed for a certain amount of money. We prayed and agreed for $250 a month. Back then, that would pay our rent, all of our utilities, and allow us to give $75 a month. That was our total need. When we moved to Manitou Springs, here in the Colorado Springs area, we started this ministry and I began, began traveling. I remember that Jamie and I agreed for $3,000 a month. That would pay all of my employees rent, cassette tape bills, and everything else. There was a growth process. Sometimes when I'm talking about the millions of dollars we need to operate today, people think, I'm going to take those scriptures and try it. Then if it isn't working for them by this time next week, they say that health and wealth, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it stuff doesn't work. They become critical because they don't understand that there's a growth process. There was a growth process in my life and there will be a growth process in your life. You might, you may not, sorry, you may not like that truth because you just want to jump ahead. You want to skip all the intermediate steps and go from where you are to full maturity. You can desire that all you want. You can pray and beg God. You can even get a thousand people to agree with you in prayer. But it doesn't matter. You cannot circumvent the process. It's first the blade, then the ear, then the full cord in the ear. That's the way the kingdom of God works. There are no, no shortcuts. Personally, I believe that to the degree you put yourself into seeking God, you might be able to speed up the process a little bit. But there's still going to be these steps, stages, and growth. You can accelerate it to a degree, but you can't stop this process. You aren't going to go from having never seen the Word of God work in your life to seeing a hundredfold return. There's first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. I once had a Bible college student who was a lovely man. He had a great heart, and I really liked him. 
that he had spent most of his life in psychiatric hospitals and he had lost a lot of problems. He had no social skills. I decided to take him on as a project and see him change through God's word. I shared a lot of things with him and he really grabbed hold of the teaching on prosperity. He began to dream big. He came to me one day and gave me his plans for buying an old hundred room hotel that was partially burned with thoughts that we could restore it so we could use it as a dormitory for CBC students. He had done his homework. He had calculated the cost of buying the building, knew how much money he would have to borrow, what his payments would be, and how much income he could produce by renting out the room. His plan was well thought out and he wanted to know what I thought of it. I told him I was really glad he was beginning to think of being productive and trusting God for bigger things. But I told him this definitely wasn't God's will for him at this time. He was crushed and asked what was wrong with his plan. This man had lived off government payments his whole life. He was attending CBC on a government program. He had never worked a job a single day in his life. He had never made a dollar before. On the base, basis of this parable, you don't go from a seed to full harvest without any immediate intermediate steps. You can't go from zero to 100 miles per hour instantly. That's not acceleration. That's a wreck. So I complimented this man for moving in the right direction, but I made it clear that he couldn't believe for millions of dollars until he believed for one dollar. He couldn't manage a large hotel until he had managed to get a job and become faithful in a small thing first. He went on to graduate and the last time I saw him, he had a job and was making it on his own. He's not arrived, but he's left. You must realize that seed time and harvest are all parts of the process. Reaching the harvest takes time and time is your friend, not your enemy. So again, this is just very powerful if you guys are understanding what we're saying here. Seed time and harvest. You know, if you can't, if you're not faithful in a little, you're not going to be faithful with more. <coughs> it's not just, it's not being mean. It's not being greedy. It's just how, it's just how things work. It's how God created things work. It's it's how, it's how um, just seed time and harvest works. It's first the blade and then the uh, how's it go? Uh, first the blade, then the corn ear, and then the the full corn in the ear. You know, there's a process, and uh, and praise God, some of us are going in the right direction, but. And I'm not saying there's not sometimes leaps of faith and steps of faith, but at the same point in time, one of the key ingredients to, to see time and harvest is faithfulness. And I like how he ends it here. Uh, he says, you must realize that sea time and harvest are part of the process. Reaching the harvest takes time, and time is your friend, not your enemy. You know, it's going to be hard for you to believe God for a million dollars if you can't even believe him for one. It's gonna be hard for you to manage a big business or a big ministry if you can't if you're doing have never had a job before. I and one part you know I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's gonna be a lot harder. And the kingdom of God just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, uh, be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in doing something. You know, uh, even as a pastor, if I bring on people on staff. You know, I also have a business one day soon. I hope I can start hiring people. I'm going to be looking for faithfulness. I can take someone who, I can do something with someone who's faithful uh, versus someone who is just trying to get rich quick type of thing, you know. I'm all about prosperity, but I'm all about how the kingdom of God works, seed, time, and harvest, you know. Uh... Some people mock some pastors and ministries that have a lot of money. Where you don't know their seed. <coughs> Until you've seen their seed, don't mock their harvest. Okay? So, there's some pastors that are making a lot of money. But I, I know they work 60, 80 hours a week. They've been doing this faithfully for years. So, until you know someone's seed, don't mock their harvest. You know, that's out of line. That, that's none of your business in that regard. And so, you know, uh, one of our friends, uh, Aaron Perdue, he's the assistant pastor uh, of Caris uh, Christian Center in um, Colorado. He was sharing a few weeks ago about 
uh, Jesse Planis was going to come speak at his church, and some people don't, don't like Jesse Planis because he has a lot of money. He has enough money to have his own airplane so he can travel from place to place to preach the gospel. And people, some people ridicule him because he has an airplane. People don't think a, a pastor should have an airplane. <coughs> now, Aaron, he, he's a flutist. I think that's what they call it. But anyway, uh, he, he uh, uh, I believe he has a master's or whatever. But he used to, uh, he's professional with uh, playing the flute. And uh, uh, at least in his past. And, and he was sharing about how he knows this professional flutist who... He does travel from concert to concert, from uh, from event to event, so he can play the flute uh, professionally. And he and one of his arguments to some people is when they they're upset with a minister who can fly an airplane. So you're saying that someone who's fl playing a flute is more important than a pastor who's trying to preach the gospel from place to place. When you put things into a proper perspective, you know. You don't know, so a pastor, just because he has an airplane, just because he has a lot of money, doesn't mean that he doesn't have a lot of seeds in the ground, doesn't mean he doesn't need the, the resources that he has to go preach the gospel. You know, for you to, to judge someone for that, you're out of line. You're, you, you, it's just wrong, you know. And so, and I, I don't want to get off on that bandwagon, but at the same point in time, you know, Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Now, sometimes when we talk about faithfulness, people think, well, now you're talking about performance. And I thought we were talking about performance. I thought we were talking about grace. We are talking about grace. But there's a faithfulness to that grace. Faith, Faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Be faithful in the little things, and God will give you charge of them more. If I'm faithful in my job, if I'm faithful as a pastor, if I'm faithful as a husband, if I'm faithful as a business owner, uh, I, I'm, I'm faithful by the grace of God. I'm faithful by the fruit of the Spirit. Is there, if there's any good in my life, it's because God's grace that's enabled me. <coughs> enabled me. But God's grace did not enable me to be passive. God's grace did not enable me to be complacent. God's grace does not enable me to be lazy and do nothing. Jesus said, Occupy until I come. God didn't, we are not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. There's a difference. So people who who, who argue about, well, I thought we we're talking about, we, we, it's not by performance. You're not saved by your performance, but you are saved to perform. You're saved to do something. You're not saved because you perform well. You are saved by His grace so that you can perform well, so you can do, you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we ought to be faithful with that. Because faithfulness, God's faithful. And we are the children of God. Like father, like son. Like so is he, so are we in this world. And so if he's faithful, we should be faithful. It's all based on his faithfulness. But we, we are born of the same seed. He's our father. Okay, we are his children. And we are to be, we are created in his image. And we are created in his likeness. He's faithful. He's faithful. Faithful. And uh, faith, you know, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, that we are to be faithful. He talked about, um, forget how you talk, what he, like he says, but he says, you know, when he's talking about leadership, look for faithful men. And I'm paraphrasing right now. You know, uh, faithfulness is a key ingredient. You know, um, when I hire somebody for a job or as a pastor or whatever, I'm looking for faithfulness. Maybe they haven't, and it can be, faithfulness can be in a lot of different levels. Are they faithful to their spouse? Are they faithful to the job that they are now? Are they faithful to the church that they're going to? Are they faithful? I'm looking for faithfulness. It might not be, we might have just been introduced, but I'm looking for faithfulness in their life. <coughs> Or are they just hopping from job to job, from place to place, and this and that? But there's no faithfulness. Now, everyone has their own story, and there might be reason why they hop from place to place. Maybe there's a story behind it. But even then, I can still, you can still see, if you listen to the story, whether they've been faithful or, or faithless, basically. And so, um, anyway, I don't want me to get off that ground. But I'm trying to tie this into what we're trying to talk about. We need to be faithful in God's word. 
We need to be faithful in going to church. We need to be faithful in our tithes and our offerings. Why? Because we're trying to please, we're not, we're trying to impress God. No. If you are not faithful going to church, you will dry up spiritually. And if you don't have faithful devotions and being God's word, you will dry up spiritually. If, you know, if you're not faithful in tithing and offerings, then I have a lot of questions about that. Why are you so greedy? Why are you uh, looking at yourself? And uh, why Paul has exhorted us in the New Testament that we are to support the ministry. We are to support different things. And I, I'm not trying to teach about tithing right now. But but we need to be faithful. He, God has blessed us with every good and perfect gift. Why can't we trust him to give to the kingdom of God? Because if we give, we... I'm sorry, I'm just losing my train of thought here. It just... God's faithful. He's faithful to us. He's and, and we can trust him. And if we give, we can know that he, he will give us more back in return. Because he's our source. And he will give seed to the sower. Are we a sower? Or are we just a receiver? You know, and anyway, I, 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 I'm hesitating because I don't want to get into a big subject about tithing and, and money. But I see this because uh, Jesus said, when you talk about faithfulness, he says, money is the least of the things that we can be faithful in. And in one sense, if you can't be faithful with tithing and money, you almost can't be faithful with anything. And so uh, that's the way Jesus taught it. Anyway. You know, I, I think it was really helpful when Andrew uh, first started this, this uh, section because when he and his wife, Jamie, first started the ministry, they only uh, prayed and agreed for $250 a month. At that time, and this was 40-plus years ago, that's all they needed to be able to, to do what they needed to do at the time. Their, their ministry started out small. But then as time went on, and he didn't give a, a, a time frame, but when he started traveling, they prayed and agreed for $3,000 a month and it covered all their bills, their rent, everything they needed in that time. And now 40 years later, yes, he has a big ministry, but, but there was that seed time and harvest where he had a he started a relationship with God. He believed God. He took God's word to heart. And then as he grew in his relationship with the Lord and God had him go into ministry, then he would see the fruit of that word in his life. And now, yes, his ministry is big. And yes, he said it takes, you know, I forget, I think it was $2 million a month. I don't know what it is now. Um, but at the time of writing this book, he only needed $2 million a month to um, take care of the ministry expenses. And and he's not saying it's an overnight process where you believe, oh, look at this verse. This sounds good. And then the next day you've just exploded. In a sense, it's like when Andrew shared, and I don't know if it was this book, but he had someone come up to him and said, hey, you know, how come you're raising people from the de dead and I'm not? You know, I, I'm not seeing the results you are. You know, you're praying for people. They're raised from the dead. They're healed. They're delivered. And I'm not seeing that. And Andrew's question back was, well, how many people have you prayed for to be raised from the dead? And the person said, well, I haven't prayed for anyone to be raised from the dead. And Andrew said, well, that's why you're not getting any results. You know, when Andrew first started his ministry in the, in the different Bible studies we've done of Andrew's, you know, he, he would pray for people and not always see results. And he would get discouraged and he'd go to God and, you know, what am I doing wrong? Am I praying wrong? You know, but your word says this. And he wasn't, wouldn't uh, be able to see results. And then by being in God's word, by having a relationship with God, God grew him out of the wrong way to pray into a better way to pray. And Andrew started seeing more and more results, more and more people healed. Uh, I forget how many people now he's raised from the, the dead, but... This seed time and harvest that you're, that we see in Andrew's life is because he took God's word and believed it and received it. 
I believed God's word as a child myself, but I'm nowhere near how spiritually immature I was as a child, even though I believe as I am now, I am trusting God more. I'm seeing more results. Uh, when I pray, my, my faith is being charged, but it's all because I'm putting God's word in my heart. And there is that seed time and harvest we've been talking about. And the neat thing is, it is more than just a spiritual principle, and it's more than just a natural principle. When God created the earth and everything in it, there is that seed time and harvest in every living creation, in plants, in animals, in humans. It's that natural process that God has designed, and it works. And he's also taken that into this spiritual so that spiritual seed time and harvest with God's word works. And it's just a it's just awesome to have God's word in, in us. And the neat thing about God's word is it's living and breathing. God's word is alive and uh, we can grow. He's given us everything for life and godliness in his word. I mean, Jesus is the word that became flesh and he lives and dwells in us and I mean God's word is not dead you plant that seed of God's word in you and you trust it and you believe it you meditate on it it will change your life for example every seed every apple seed if it's planted in the right environment with the right water with the right environment it will always produce an apple tree and apples. The Word of God works for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's not a respecter of persons. God's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of those who believe His Word. God's Word is like a seed, and it will produce for everyone, everywhere, every time, if we cooperate with the laws that surround the Word of God and the Kingdom of God. Just like the seed will work for everybody, everywhere, every time, if their environment is correct, if it's sown in the right seed, with the right water, with the right farming and gardening, it will always produce. Why? God commanded it in Genesis 1.11 that every seed is produced after its own kind. The Word of God, every seed that we know, not just in plants and grass and trees and flowers and fruits and vegetables, but every dog begets dogs, every monkey begets monkeys, every human begets humans, every flea begets fleas, and every insect. I can go on and on and on. Every seed produces according to its kind. Every seed will work every single time when it cooperates with the right environment that is supposed to be there. Okay? And so... Uh, the parable of the sower. It's the same seed, God's word, being sown on four different kinds of soil. And the only reason why we see different results is because the soil is different. The environment was different, not the seed. The seed was the same. And so, if we will cooperate with God's word and get it in our heart the way God has designed it to be like a seed, it will produce and you don't dig it up midway to see if it's working. Just like you don't dig up an apple tree or a potato plant to see if it's working. You will abort the process. Okay. But if you cooperate with the laws that govern gardening, seed, time, and harvest, you will see a result. And it's the same thing with the word. It's, this is not just our way of life. This is the way of life. This is how God designed everything to work. We need to get God's word in our hearts. We need to meditate on it. We need to nourish it just like a seed needs to be nourished, fertilized, <coughs> so that we can see God's word work in our life consistently. In one sense, it will seem like it's working effortlessly. Okay, this is awesome. Because God's word will work for everybody, everywhere every time but you need to get in your heart you need to meditate 
and we need it. We need, we're gonna start in January. We're gonna have a free Bible Academy that's gonna be free to everybody, everywhere, wherever they want. It's free. You're gonna hear more about it. You can simply right now go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. If you go to our Bible classes section, we already have a blurb about that right now, and I will, you can see more about that. It's going to be free to anyone in the world. We're going to start this in January. The point of doing this, we're not charging anything for it. It's free. Well, the only thing we want to do is get God's Word in your heart in a very systematic and very consistent basis. <coughs> this course is going to have four levels of courses. Every level will have 14 courses. Every course will have eight lessons with a quiz, and it will be free. We're going to start it in January. We'll be teaching two courses, two lessons each, each week. You'll hear more about it in the weeks to come. Uh, but I just say you know for now. If you want, how, how are we going to, uh, how is this going to be sponsored so that we can offer free? Well, we're asking people to pray about it and ask God if they can sponsor other students. It costs us about $50 per student per month to put, put this on. But we're going to put it on free. We have over 14,000 people who watch our ministry every week. Uh, give and take each week's a little, fluctuates a little different. But we have people all over the world, here in the United States, Pakistan, India, Africa, Latin America. We have people all over the world watching us on a consistent basis. Everything's going to be in English. It's not going to be in another language, but it's going to be free to anyone. All you need is access to our website. We'll get more information for you later. But why am I sharing that now? Not, I'm not just trying to advertise something. Because what are we going to... And we only have one textbook in this Bible Academy that we're going to put on. It's called the Bible. We're going to study this thing. And we're going to get the seed in our hearts. And it will produce. If you can get God's word in your heart. Alright, we're out of time for the day. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys all on Wednesday night, and uh, we, uh, if you're here in America, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, if we don't see you on Wednesday, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Amen.